You are listening to audio from Hope Church Ipswich. For more information about our church, please visit www.hopechurchipswich.net. Okay, well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. We have been over the last few months as a church working through a book in the Bible called 1 Corinthians. And uh, 1 Corinthians was originally a letter uh, written by a man called Paul. Some of you might know him or have heard of him as St. Paul or the Apostle Paul, writing to a church in Greece, a place called Corinth, uh, that he had helped to start. And uh, last week, um, we came to chapter 12, in which Paul unpacks for the church that they are a body, that as a church, they are a body. They're, mem- they're each individually members of a, a body, the body of Christ, and that each of the people in the church have uh, been gifted in certain ways to contribute to the building up of the body. And last week, I encouraged us, each one of us, to lay aside self-pity and self-importance and to seek to serve and build up uh, the body of Christ. And today's message really follows on from that. We're actually going to be in chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians, uh, because all that Paul unpacked in chapter 12 then gets its kind of grounding in chapter 14. We see it logically unpacked in chapter 14, um, really looking at what this then looks like when we gather together. Because Paul is now concerned that the principles he's unpacked in chapter 12 are outworked. Now, you might have noticed that we've missed out chapter 13, and you're thinking, what are we missing out here? Well, it's a whole chapter about love, and we're actually going to tuck into that next week and the two weeks after that as well, uh, looking at this incredible uh, chapter that many of you will know, even if you're not familiar with church, uh, these verses, love is patient, love is kind. They get read out at weddings a lot of the time. So we're going to go through just, we're going to look at one verse this morning in chapter 14 uh, in particular, and then we're going to uh, work through this passage a little bit, pulling out some things from it. I'm going to uh, look at um, what it means to eagerly desire the spiritual gifts, and then we're going to look at a couple of the, well, maybe I should say three gifts, really, that Paul unpacks uh, in this passage, which are the gifts of prophecy, the gifts of language or tongues, you might have heard it called the gift of tongues, and then the gift of interpretation of languages. And we're going to unpack them, not because they're my favorite gifts, but they're because they're the ones that Paul particularly focuses on in chapter 14. And we're going to look at some things on each one of those. And then we're going to look at how that could look like when we gather together. And then we're going to finally finish by praying for one another. As I said, one verse that we're going to look at together, which is 1 Corinthians and chapter 14. And, uh, and just verse 1, which is this. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. So, desiring spiritual gifts, what is that about? Some of you in this church, you don't need any provocation on this. You know that God's gifted you in certain ways, and you are walking in those gifts regularly. And when you gather together on Sundays or other contexts, um, you're using those gifts for the building up of other people, for the glory of God, just as we talked about last week. You don't need much encouragement in this. But for some of you here, uh, you do need encouragement in this. Maybe firstly because um, you are unfamiliar with these things and you're thinking, I've been in church for a long time, but I've never come across these before. Well, you need to know that these are important and that they are for today and that they are necessary really for the maturity of a church. But some of you have seen these things go badly in the past. You've been in contexts where 
you know, maybe some people have bought something that's downright weird or downright wrong, and it's made it all a bit awkward, and you think, yeah, I'd rather not go there, to be honest, because sometimes this could just look strange. And actually, as I unpacked last week, the answer to the misuse of the spiritual gifts is not disuse, it's proper use. And so you need encouragement this morning to earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, because that's what Paul commands here. He actually says it a couple of times in this passage, desire these things. And I wonder, friends, are we those who desire the spiritual gifts? Are we those that earnestly desire to use these gifts that we unpacked last week? And if you want a reminder of them, you can read about them in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 or Romans chapter 12 as well. And uh, are we those that really look at these things and say, I would love to, I want to operate in these things, not for my own fame or glory, not for my own recognition, but I want to use them to build others up. Are we earnestly desiring the spiritual gifts? Because there's a clear command here. There's a clear, there's a clear command here. And so I want to ask us to think about this for ourselves. Are we earnestly desiring these gifts? Maybe we once walked in them many years ago and now we're sort of just meh, you know, I've done it once. Are we earnestly desiring to walk in, this, in these giftings? Are you asking God for a particular gift? Paul says here, especially that you may prophesy. If you asked him, Lord, I want to be able to hear from you for the encouragement of others. Are you asking him for the gift of languages, which we're going to come on to a little later on as well? Are you asking him for particular gifts? Are you asking him for the gifts of the Holy Spirit? Let's be those who ask him. If we earnestly desire something, then we would ready ourselves to receive it. We would ready ourselves to receive it. I couldn't think of a better analogy in the first service, than, and I still haven't. So I'm going to go for it. This: If you ask for a guinea pig, and you think you might get a guinea pig, then you would get a cage, and you would get all the things that you need to keep a guinea pig, right? You would actually posture yourself and sort out... I, I need a better analogy, guys, so someone can help me out after the service. If I preach this message again, I need a better analogy than that. But if you ask for something and you think you're going to get it, you get ready for it. You get ready for it. And you might, you might kind of posture yourself ready to receive. How can, we, how can we posture ourselves ready to receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit? Well, we can be those that spend time with God and ask him. We can be those that spend time in God's word so that we know what his voice sounds like. So that we know, actually, if we're, if we're thinking, oh, is God bringing something to my mind here? Well... I know it, it, could, it sounds about right because it's, it's coming in line with God's word. So are we those that are eagerly desiring, asking God for the gifts of the Holy Spirit and then posturing ourselves to receive them? Oh, that's a challenge for all of us. But more than just desiring the spiritual gifts, Paul kind of really, he, he ups the ante a little bit in verse 12. He says he doesn't want them just to desire some spiritual gifts. He wants them to strive to excel in building up the church. That is a command for us. In, all, in the light of all that Jesus has done for us, in the light of all this wonderful love that we've been rejoicing in and singing about this morning, in the light of that, are we striving to build up? Are we striving to excel in the building up of the church? And that's, a, that's a question for each one of us who calls Hope Church home, that maybe, maybe you're visiting from another local church and you're on holiday or whatever, but Whatever church we belong to, are we striving to excel in building up the church? Because that's the command here. And so I want to encourage us to think on these things. So, as I said, Paul um, 
seems to hone in on three gifts in this uh, passage. Prophecy, the gift of languages, and the gift of interpretation of languages. Let's look at prophecy. I'm going to give three attempts at a definition of prophecy. I don't think any of them are complete, but this might help us. Michael Green, who um, actually passed away this week, um, a great evangelist, he uh, defined prophecy as this, a word from the Lord through a member of his body inspired by his spirit to build up the rest of the body. Wayne Grudem, who's a a popular theologian in the States, uh, he defines prophecy as this, speaking merely human words to report something that God brings to mind. Finally, uh, John Piper, uh, he defines prophecy as this, a spirit-prompted, spirit-sustained utterance that does not carry intrinsic divine authority and may be mixed with error. So there's a few pointers for us on prophecy. And the last definition there actually helps uh, me to make the first point I'm going to make about prophecy, which is this. It does not carry intrinsic divine authority. It's not like the the prophecy that we read in the Old Testament or in Revelation, the last book of the New Testament, that is not mixed with error, that you don't have to sort of weigh up and think, is it of God or is it not of God? No, it's not on a par with that. We hold up the Bible as saying, if you want to know what God thinks about you, if you want to know what God thinks about your uh, life, what he says about you now, well, we can go to the Bible and quite clearly see it in there. We don't need a special revelation or a prophetic word um, to tell us that. It's, it's, it's here. Yes, sometimes you know, someone might bring something and it just affirms only what's in here. But we don't, we don't hold um, New Testament um, prophecy on a par with the scriptures. We don't need to be hankering for prophetic word after prophetic word. We can go to the Bible and we can learn what God has to say about him and about us because it's all true and it's, and it's reliable and it's God-breathed. It's not on par with the scriptures in that if someone was to say to you, I believe God is saying this to you and it's contradicting something that is clear in the Bible then we, we don't just say, well, maybe the Bible's wrong. No, we, we know the Bible's correct. We say, actually, I don't think you're right on that one. So we, we, we hold um, prophecy up against the Scripture, and we test it in that regard. That's why I would be reluctant to encourage people to say, thus says the Lord, when they prophesy. Because actually, it might give the, the very distinct impression that everything I'm about to say is 100% accurate. And it may be, but it may not be. And that's why... Um, we, don't, we don't encourage to say, thus says the Lord, before we prophesy. A better thing to say might be this. I feel like the Lord is saying, or I believe that God would say to us this. I sense this is what he's speaking to us about right now. So prophecy is to be weighed up. We see this uh, phrase to weigh up a few times in this passage. We see it a number of times elsewhere in the scriptures. And we see in First Thessalonians chapter 5, Um, Verses 19 through to 22, Paul writes this, Do not quench the spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good and reject every kind of evil. So that weighing, that testing, it takes a bit of time sometimes. I've received prophetic words personally before, and I've been so encouraged. It's been so spot on. And I've thought, man, how on earth do you know that? Like, have you been reading my emails? What's going on here? And I've said, thank you so much for sharing that. That's really encouraged me to know that God's on my case in this. But sometimes I've received something and I thought, yeah, maybe that's, maybe that's something I've got to think about. I've got to weigh that one up. I've got to pray into that. 
I'm going to write it down. I'm going to come back to it. I might come back to it in several months. It might be that we, we take it to uh, people that we know are spiritually mature and say, look, someone's brought this um, word to me, and I just want you to help me to process it. I want you to help me to unpack this in some way. So it's got to be weighed. It's got to be, uh, it's got to be tested, as it were. A good practice would be, if you believe God's um, given you a prophetic word for someone, perhaps if it's, particularly if it's someone you don't know, or don't know very well, take someone with you and say, look, I feel like I've got a word for this guy over here. Can you come with me? And, and, and you, maybe you know him better than I do, and you can just help him to process it afterwards. So it's got to be weighed, and it's always for the upbuilding, encouragement, or consolation of others. And so often, prophecy is so encouraging. We've had a number of prophetic words brought to us as a church over the years, some of which I shared when we were together at uh, right at the beginning of the year when I um, shared on Vision Sunday and I shared some of the things that God has laid on our hearts as a church and they've been so deeply encouraging for us, shaping, helping us direct and navigate the, 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 the path ahead. And Many of you will know this to be true of your own lives. Many of you will know I've had someone come up to me and they've said this to me and it's been really, really encouraging. And I've prayed into it and I've, uh, I've really uh, taken it to my heart. But sometimes we can see, as I said at the right at the beginning, sometimes we can see it go a bit wrong. Sometimes people are immature in the way they use um, uh, prophecy. If you're listening on the, the podcast, I'm using inverted commas here. Sometimes people will, will use prophecy uh, to, to kind of manipulate others. You know, I really feel like God is leading you to give me a couple of hundred quid. <laughs> I really feel like God is leading you to marry me, actually. <laughs> you know, I feel like we're, we're, he's linked us together somehow. No, it can be used in immature ways. And sometimes it can be used in ways that don't build up and encourage and console and, in fact, actually do the opposite. I've known that to be true of my life. And sometimes God will reveal stuff to us and we think, how on earth am I meant to bring that in an edifying way? How am I meant to bring that in a way that actually builds up rather than tearing down? And I, I was once speaking to a friend of mine called Angela, who is a really gifted lady and who God uh, uses in great ways, particularly in, in prophecy. She gets invited to a lot of churches and uh, will meet with leadership teams and, and prayer meetings and so on. And uh, she was telling me a story about one time she was at a prayer meeting and uh, God revealed to her um, that... Uh, one of the, the leaders of the church was, was kind of stabbing one of the other leaders of the church in the back, as it were, with his words. And, um, and she thought, okay, uh, what do I do here? How, how do I bring this in an edifying way? How, what, what do I bring this at all? Um, and she prayed about it. She, weighed, she sort of waited on it a little bit. And then um, there was a time in the prayer meeting where it was appropriate to do so. And she said, I just... Um, I wonder if it's okay, she spoke to these two leaders and she said, I wonder if you could just stand back to back for a moment. I really believe God is saying to you that you're to have each other's backs in this next season. That you're to really cover each other in this next season. That, you know, to, with the words that you speak and the, you know, that there's a real covering of each other in this season. And it was upbuilding. It was edifying. It was consoling. It was encouraging. Had it been another way, it wouldn't have been. Do you understand what I'm saying there? So really, sometimes there might even be things that we think God is saying to us, and we think, how do I bring that? That doesn't seem like that's going to be in any way encouraging. But actually, as we mature in this, um, we can actually grow to console and encourage and upbuild others, even if what we've been, what's been revealed to us has not been that easy to process. 
Lastly on prophecy, there seems to be an expectation here uh, from, from the Apostle Paul that all Christians can prophesy, that all, all Christians can prophesy, but that there may be some who will become to be recognized as particularly uh, prolific in prophecy. They might be called prophets. They might be called those, uh, you know, just asked to be serving other contexts and other churches and so on. They're just particularly prolific in it and mature in that gifting. But actually that all of us can prophesy because he's asking that. He's saying, eagerly desire these things, especially that you all may prophesy. So there's a few things on uh, prophecy. What it, might it look like practically? Well, in my own experience, it's that sometimes I'm praying for someone and God will just um, reveal to me an image in, my, in the forefront of my mind and sometimes it's quite clear what I'm then to pray into as a result of that. Sometimes I need to kind of just say, God, okay, what are you saying here? And it's often as I'm praying for that person, and I might be stepping out in faith a little bit here, thinking, what are you going to say here, God? And I will then bring that prophetic word as I'm praying for them. For others, it might be that you are a writer and you like to write letters to people. I know people who are like this. My hand hurts after about two sentences because I'm so used to keyboards now. But you write to people and you're thinking, as I'm writing to them, I believe God's revealing stuff to me about them. And I'm just going to send them this note here with what I feel like God is saying to them. There might be others of you who you're just reading the scriptures and you think, this, I just feel like this particular verse here is, is, is really on the money for that person right now. And all of it's true all of the time, but there can be times when it's especially true, right? There can be times when it just really resounds in our hearts. And it might be that you got, you just, God gives you a verse for someone, and it's just really encouraging at the right time. I believe that's a form of prophecy. It will look different for different people. And as we, as we close in a little while, I'm expecting that, that many of us, as we pray together right across this room, many of us will be hearing from God for others. I believe that many of you can do that. You've done it in the past, and for many of you it will be a new thing, but you'll be stepping into it. Um, we're trusting God that God's going to raise many um, prophetic men and women in this church that, uh, that may even, some may even go on and serve in other uh, contexts and, and upbuild other churches as well. Okay, so that was some things on prophecy. Now on to the gift of languages, or as is often said, the gift of tongues. What might we say about this? Well, firstly, when we hark back to chapter 12, we see that there are various kinds of tongues, various kinds of the gift of languages. I think it's fair to say there's three expressions of the same gift. The first expression is that it's a, it's a language that has not been learnt by you, an earthly language that you haven't learnt, that is used to proclaim Jesus. That's what we see in the book of Acts when uh, Jesus had gone, he descended to be with the Father, the disciples are all kind of cowering in fear. What are we going to do now? The Holy Spirit comes upon them and they start to speak in languages they hadn't learned. And they spill out into the streets. And what they're doing is they're proclaiming Jesus in languages that they have not gone to school for. They've not, they've not done their A-level, you know, whatever it might be. No, they've gone into the streets and God's given them the language supernaturally. And I believe that happens today. I've heard of stories, first-hand stories, where people have said, you know, God has... I didn't know how to, to speak in that language, and I uttered a phrase once, and, and it was actually a relevant phrase about God and about his love for someone. Or others that maybe have prayed, and they've prayed in a language, and it's actually, they're praying in a, they're praying in a language, a real earthly language. And it's encouraged uh, people in the, in the room that didn't know Jesus. So that's the first expression 
uh, of the gift of languages. The second is this, it's a private prayer language. A private prayer language used by an individual believer to communicate with God. Where have I got this from? Well, we're going to work through the passage a little bit and see how I'm making this conclusion. Firstly, in verse 5 of chapter 14, Paul says this, I want you all to speak in tongues. And then in verse 14, he's talking about him praying in tongues, and it's basically talking about how it's his spirit connecting with God, praying to God in a heavenly language for his upbuilding, his own personal uh, edification. But then in verse 18, he says this, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. So let's just get this right. This was a church in Corinth that spoke in tongues a lot. So much so that Paul was having to say to them, calm down a little bit, guys. You know, two or three people bringing a public tongue at most. Let's not go over the top here. God's a God of order, not of chaos, and so on. And he's saying to them in the same chapter, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. More than all of you. I speak in, use this gift of languages more than all of you. And then in verse 19, he says this, Nevertheless, in church, I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. So it's clear that beyond church, beyond the gathering of God's people in a big context, it's clear that he's praying in tongues a lot. It's clear that this is a, a language that he uses in his own times with God, slipping in between his own language and this language that God has given him. And what's clear as well is this is for his building up. It builds him up. It strengthens him to use this, uh, this gift in his own prayer life. So let's talk about that. Have you received the gift of languages? Have you received it? And if you have received it, are you using it in your own prayer life? Are you using it to communicate with God? The things that maybe you're running out in your own language and now you're slipping into uh, praying in, uh, in, in a heavenly language to communicate with God. Have you tapped into that strengthening power? I believe genuinely it has power to strengthen us when we communicate with God in this way, that he would strengthen our inner man, as it were. We may not know what we're praying for, our mind might be unfruitful, that's the term that Paul uses, but our spirits are touching the heart of God. As Paul puts it in Romans chapter 8, we do not know what we ought to pray for. Sometimes that's true, isn't it? We don't know what, I don't know what to pray here, God. I have no idea what to pray. I've got the situation and I don't know where to go with this. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. The Holy Spirit helps us in our prayers. So the second one was a private prayer language. The third was this, a prayer language that requires interpretation in a worship gathering. This is in focus in this passage in a big way. This is where a prayer language is used when other Christians are in the room. And so whilst Paul is enthusiastically recommending and highlighting the gift of languages as a great thing to have and to use in our personal prayer lives, he is by no means forbidding it in corporate gatherings. They had clearly misused the gift of tongues or the gift of languages in their uh, gatherings. Everyone was doing it all at once. People were thinking, what is going on here? But Paul saw that the misuse of the gifts 
shouldn't lead to just, well, let's just scrap them. No, let's use them well and properly. And he puts some guidelines around uh, the use of this gift. He puts some guidelines around it. Why? Because God is a God of, he's a God of peace, not confusion. He's a God of order, not of chaos. So he says, firstly, only speak in tongues pers- uh, publicly if you have the gift of interpretation or if you know that there's someone in the room who has that gift. That's pretty sound advice. Secondly, he says, let's not have loads of speaking in tongues in our gatherings, two or three at most. Now, that's not to say that we would be in sin or in error if we had that more than that in one meeting. But he's making the point here that it's going to be quite hard for people to understand what's going on if it's just everyone uh, speaking in a, in a heavenly language. It's clear from uh, these passages that we'd have the expectation that, uh, that prayers in the Spirit, these prayers using the gift of languages, are Godward, they're to, to God, not God speaking to us through this language. Now, we've had it on a number of occasions here where someone during our time of praise and worship has brought a beautiful um, prayer in, in, in tongues. And we've said, we've explained it, we've said this is what's happened, uh, let's, now let's wait on someone to bring an interpretation. And the next thing that comes is a prophecy, and it's God speaking to us, or God speaking through someone to us. And I've said, or other leaders here have said, okay, we're going we're gonna to wait still for that, for that interpretation. That's really encouraging, a wonderful word from so-and-so, but actually we're going to wait here for the interpretation of that, that tongue. Because we're, our expectation is that, that these prayers in this heavenly language are to God, that God would in their focus. Now, why do we explain things, as I just mentioned? Why do we take the time to explain it? Well, because we have... The expectation, as did the Apostle Paul, that there will always be people amongst us for whom that is weird. Well, it's weird even, you know, for those of us who've been familiar with it for many years, perhaps. And that she needs some explanation. We'll always have people amongst us, some of whom are brand new to church, some of whom maybe have been in church for decades, but haven't been in a church where there's an expectation that these things might happen. And so it's important that we explain because... Uh, as, as we read here in chapter 14, Paul is really conscious of the fact that there are many people among them that don't yet understand what's going on. Okay, that was a whistle-stop tour of chapter 14. There were some pointers on uh, the use of the gift of prophecy and the gift of languages. What does this then look like when we gather? Well, let's read verse 26. This is what uh, the Apostle Paul says. What then, brothers, in summary of all of this explanation... What then, brothers, when you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. So he's saying when you gather together for your Sunday gatherings, for your midweek groups, your prayer and vision nights, your team nights with the children's team or youth team or uh, worship team, whatever it might be, when you gather together, there's an expectation that people will come ready to contribute, ready to bring something. Not everyone will have the opportunity to do so, but that when we come together, someone might have a song to bring. And we have that fairly often here, that someone might come and bring a song, maybe a song that we know and we can all quickly join in with, or maybe someone will bring a song that actually we don't know and we try and pick up as we go. A lesson, maybe something, a short um, passage from the Scripture and saying, God, I think God's taught me this through this. A revelation, something that God may have laid on someone's heart that they wouldn't otherwise know. It's a supernatural revealing. 
And they say, I think God's saying this to us, or that there might be one or two people here that this is happening to them, and just know that God's on your case. And then we've got here a tongue interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. He's saying these things, are, they're done for the building up of the church. So, the big question that I want to leave in our minds is this. Am I coming to the church? Am I coming to the gathering of the church on Sundays or in prayer and vision nights or wherever it might be? Am I coming ready to contribute? Am I coming with an expectancy that God might use me in some way to encourage others? Now, that could look like a number of different things. What it's not going to look like is most people getting the opportunity to share that on the microphone. Because even in, in two services of, as we are, the reality is we might have four or five or six people sharing in that way, and hundreds are missing out. Hundreds are, are not going to get that opportunity, as it were. Not missing out, because they're not missing out, but you know what I mean? They're, hundreds are not going to get the opportunity to share something on a microphone. And as we gather in one service in, in the new building in this next season... That means a lower percentage of the gathering are going to share something on the microphone. But what that does not mean is that we come and sit passively and soak up a show, that actually we're coming eager to contribute, that we're coming eager to encourage others, and that could look like a whole bunch of different things. It could look like us sharing something on the microphone, yes, but it could also look like us going over to someone in the before and after parts of the meeting and just saying, hey, how are you doing? You hear of something going on, you say, let me pray for you. You might pray for them. God might reveal something to you for them. He might give you a Bible verse for them. It might be that you've got the gift of healing and you want to pray for them. There's a whole bunch of different ways that you can use the gifts that God has given you that when we gather together in our life groups on Sundays and in other contexts, that we can be ready to contribute. We can come Maybe having spent some time on the Sunday morning before, before our gatherings on a Sunday or on a Saturday thinking, God, is there a verse that you want me to share? Is there, is there something that you've, you've, you've spoken to me about for the church? And the way we do it, as you will probably have picked up, is that we have a meeting host and we have an elder who supports them. And we would ask you to come and share that with one of the elders and we would probably say one of a number of things. yes. Please go ahead. When the next song finishes, please share this. We might say, yes, please share this, but bring it later on because we're, in a, we're at a point now where we're just, we're just going for it in praise and it, we just, it, you know, it wouldn't be the right time. We might say, yes, but I'll share that for you. Please let me you know, take a hold of that and I'll share it for, on your behalf. Or maybe that is for you. Maybe that's for you to, to, to actually, you know, God's speaking to you and it's for you. It's not for the whole congregation right now. Or actually, that's, that's, I don't think that's right and we'll have a chat about it later. There's a number of different things that will happen here, okay? And so one of the things that we really want to encourage is you to come ready to contribute. And to, it, would, it would be better for myself and our, my fellow elders to have a headache on a Sunday morning, um, you know, having to sort of say to people, yeah, that's, that'd be great, or no, or maybe we had quite a few, so we're just going to hold it there. Having that headache of working that out, rather than all of us just coming and just thinking, well, I'm just going to let it wash over me, and I'm not going to bring something. I'm not going to come with a heart to encourage. Does that make sense? Are you with me there? That we, we really, we're keen that we, 
Uh, we all can hear from God. We can all um, be an encouragement to others. We can all be prompted by his spirit to uh, encourage others. And the whole kind of thing of coming to the front and talking to someone and then going back to your chair, that's not the walk of shame, all right? It's not like you've got the X on the uh, Britain's Got Talent. Sorry, you've got to go back to your seat now. No. In fact, we're really encouraged that you came forward in the first place. We're really encouraged and say, well done. It's really good. And we just help you. Maybe it wasn't quite the right thing or whatever. So, are we coming uh, eager to share and encourage as I said, we're going to be, we're going to be one service in the, in the new building. Um, that will change the dynamics for us, at least for, a, uh, for, at least for a, the short to medium term, will be one service. And um, that will change the dynamics for us. We're going to have hundreds of people gathering in one room. As I say, it will mean that less people, in terms of a percentage, will share something on a microphone. But we can all come ready to encourage. We can all come eager to use the gifts that God has given us for the building up of others. One thing that will never change is this. We are hungry for times of worship when we meet with God in power, where we are encouraged together, where we encounter God by the Spirit. That will never change. That will never change for us. And I want to finish with this, um, this quote from David Pryor in his commentary on 1 Corinthians. And then, and then, as I said, we're going to pray. Okay, so I hope you're up for this. Let me read this to you. The worship of a church has an indispensable role in building up the faith and the discipleship of its members. When it is vital, participatory, expectant and attractive, the whole congregation grows strong and steady in the Lord. That is my heart for this church. That's our heart as elders for this church, that we would, go strong, we would grow strong and steady in the Lord, that we wouldn't be flimsy, that we wouldn't be those that are tossed around on the waves of uh, the world's current as it were we want to be those that are strong and steady in God and these gatherings are vital in that and we want these gatherings and our praise and worship times to be full of the life of the Holy Spirit I want that do you want that yeah should we stand together let's pray father we thank you for your word we thank you that your word stands true and that we can be uh, spoken to through your word today and Lord, we thank you that you have encouraged us today that uh, we have uh, a part to play in building up others that you've gifted us in certain ways. And Lord, I want to pray for myself and for my friends here that we would eagerly desire, that we would earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, that we would strive to excel in building others up. Lord, that we wouldn't, just, we wouldn't come and just think, well, I, I just want to receive here, although that's, that's good and important, that we'd actually say, I want to come and I want to strive to build others up. I pray that for my friends right around the room now, that you would just so do something in, a, in hearts now that would, would lead to a resolve, a fresh resolve, that I am going to strive to excel in building others up, that I'm not going to... I'm not going to be passive. I'm going to use the gifts that God has given me for building others up for his glory. So Lord, help us, we pray. Help us even now as we, as we pray together in a moment. Help us, Lord. I pray you'd speak to many for their upbuilding today. Strengthen many in this room. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Hope Church Ipswich. 
Please feel free to make a copy of this content, but please do not edit the content in any way.